friends and enemies, welcome back to another episode of Rail Results. We are bringing you Season 2, Episode 2 from Minneapolis today. We have had a heck of a couple of days yeah. this week and the week before, so we're going to update you on our trip so far. Um, we'll talk about a really spicy blog that I put out um, and give some social media updates. So let's just hop right into it. We're trying to um, bust out some more short format content for y'all. Seeing as no one's really commuting these days, we'll just call it a tight 30 and uh, hit the road. Joe? Yeah, so the last time we spoke to you all uh, for our, our season premiere, uh, we were in the Bay Area still. We had not left on, on, the, on the actual advocacy section of the trip. Uh, we did that great tour of the high-speed rail facility, yeah. uh, or the, the Transbay slash Salesforce Transit Center uh, in San Francisco. Uh, since then, we have uh, put some miles. Put some miles in. On the we have we have put some miles and some nights. We are now two weeks removed from <laughs> f- from from that. Yeah. Uh, we spend a lot of time on, on on trains, as as one does when you are in the passenger rail advocacy world. You do tend to spend a lot of time on passenger rail, which is. <laughs> The way it should be. Um, we uh, started off in Seattle, and we'll go through all this in a little bit more detail. But you know, just how we got to Minneapolis, where we're recording from right now. Uh, we s- went from the Bay to Seattle, Seattle to Whitefish, Whitefish to Essex, and we are now here wrapping up our trip, our little whirlwind pandemic advocacy tour um, in the land of ten thousand lakes. I think our. Um... Our time spent just witnessing how different agencies are responding, how different routes are responding to pandemic, pandemic cleaning has been really cool. Um, yeah, yeah. One uh, of the big things we were talking about in Seattle was the uh, trip safety. So using masks, uh, what their signage was like. And I think we got really good examples of communication there in Seattle. From their yeah, it was. So one of the one of the things that was actually really cool about, you know, because we were on Amtrak, so it was. You know, we, and we talked about this before, where we did, we did a lot of the Bart tour. We did the whole Bart uh, slash VTA uh, slash uh, Caltrain, like the whole round around about the Tour de Bay. The Tour de Bay, yeah. yeah. And we talked briefly last time about you know the the signage and VTA was basically yeah. like like no mask, no ride. I mean, they were they, they were they were the most hardcore of them all so far. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it has been kind of cool to go from Amtrak to um, urban kind of transit agency. Back to Amtrak to rule, but you know, and then and, you know, kind of you keep going. But S- Seattle was, was there's you know a lot, a lot going on in Seattle. But as soon as we got there, um, it was the Amtrak station was posted everywhere. Please wear a mask. Have you know have to six, stay six feet apart. Signs on the floor. Um, their light signs were please wear a mask, and then as you got a door or two in, it was like okay, master required. Yes, yeah. Um, like I did, I did kind of like that there because it was like gentle language on the outside of the station, and then like the more you got to the underbelly, closer to Amtrak employees, closer to transit access, mm-hmm. you're like okay, we're not messing around. Cover your freaking face. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, and and that's and that's the cool thing. Actually, I was very impressed. Um, oh, excuse me. Um, Sound Transit, both the light rail and the buses. Um, everywhere. I mean, actually, it was the first time we've seen a do not ride unless you are essential. I kind of felt bad 
Um, yeah. Although I don't know how many people are actually paying attention to that, but it was a gigantic sign right at the uh, the link station um, for Sound Transit in Seattle. It was, please do not ride unless you are essential. Like we yeah. are trying to keep this and, and keep keep yeah. you safe, keep you going. But um, not only they had signs posted everywhere, audio announcements, but they actually um, had seats marked off. They actually had little sashes yeah. on, on, on bus seats saying, do not sit here. Sit over here and everything. I, I didn't tape measure it, but it, everything seemed to be it about six good. or so feet. It, it felt it felt yeah. right. Um, but actually, that was kind of cool to see. Um, Seattle wasn't playing around. Yeah, I mean, I have not really um, spent much time in Seattle previously. So all the destinations that we went are places that, um, you know, just being a sweet southern boy, I hadn't really had the chance to explore. Yeah. Um, so for me, like, I thought it was really easy uh, to figure out where I was going once we figured out their maps. So the, my only critique is that if you do not speak English as a first language, if you are colorblind, if you have, um, like, difficulties with visual processing of information, their maps are difficult. The colors are difficult, the numbers are difficult. Um, yeah, they actually, because... In, in a time where things were staffed and it wasn't, like, COVID USA, mm -hmm. then, like, we would have somebody to help. Yeah, the um, the confusing. Actually, I, I came across this um, when I was in Seattle years ago. Um, the transit maps, and actually, this is back when the buses were also a lot. It was it was buses and trains yeah. in the underground tunnels. Um, they've since stopped that. It's actually just yeah. the light rail now. Yeah. Um, but their transit maps, the main map shows all of, and and, and it's very bus heavy. In, in Seattle, extremely bus heavy. Um, their transit maps show all the bus routes yeah. on top of their a couple you know legs of their light rail, which actually yeah. is going to be in a, in, in a couple of years or whatever, however long it's going to take is going to be m much more expanded, more routes, yeah. Yeah. more robust. So there will be, I'm sure, just like most places, you'll actually have a separate light rail map, a separate bus map. But I, I know, I know what you mean. It's, it's it can be very confusing, yeah. especially when you might be visiting like we are and for whatever reason and you need to get around and there's really no one to kind of help you because yeah. you know we are in the middle we, we you know we are doing a transit tour in the middle of the pandemic because yeah. what's wrong with us <laughs> well i mean you know it just comes down to when you talk about like what what functions are essential what is safe travel what's the point of doing these kinds of things and i mean you know as well as i do as well as all of our listeners who are also advocates you know we get questions every single day. Is this safe? Yeah, oh yeah, abs is abs safe? absolutely. And I'm sorry, but as somebody who is not immunocompromised, who's physically capable, I feel as though I have an obligation to go into the field and report back to people who cannot risk it. Yeah, we, uh, I believe, uh, I'm, like I said, I, I've, I've gotten emails and tweets and, and, and Facebook messages, you know, personal account and work account, uh, uh, both, asking like, is, is, this, is this okay to do? All yeah. the various Facebook groups and, and I'm I, not going to tell them if I haven't seen it for myself. Yeah, ab absolutely. That this is why Straight this is up. why we're you know doing you know what we're doing you know the last couple of weeks. Okay. Um, I do believe there was an article I think we posted today uh, through our social oh, media channels, yeah, actually basically questions. saying like this like public transportation is safe. Yeah. So it was. Yeah. This is if you guys are following along, um, hop on the Rail Passengers Association Facebook page, Twitter. It's there. Uh, we can cross post it to Rail Results as well. But basically, it was saying that you know, as long as people are following the protocol they're supposed to follow, we don't see a pattern of clusters that's directly tied to people's experiences mm -hmm. on public transit. 
And for most of the Pacific Northwest and the Bay Area, there have not been trackable clusters since March. Even in New York, we're not seeing trackable clusters. Mm -hmm. You know, and then we hear back from reports um, in Paris, reports in Vienna, reports in Spain, all over that are saying that they also aren't seeing trackable clusters tied to public transportation. It's when people are unmasked at large gatherings spanning multiple states or provinces, regions, yeah, counties, yeah. whatever. So, I mean, in that regard, it's like as long as you stay with your travel unit, there is some some safety that can be seen in these execution levels Absolutely. agencies. Yeah, and actually that, that was the one thing I, I think was kind of a bright spot to start off this trip going from the Bay Area um, taking Amtrak, and actually we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later, but like this, the Starlight, um, everyone was messed up. Uh, we had a couple, we had a couple roomettes, so we were kind of apart from everybody, but, um, we, so we didn't really see much of Coach. We heard a l- announcements. Yeah. The conductor was always, it was on saying, you must wear a mask or the next stop is your, ne- your last stop. Like they, they yeah, were, they were, the, they, they were very yeah. serious in the Starlight. So it was kind of going from yeah. the Bay Area to, to, on the, the Starlight to Seattle, that entire stretch I felt extremely comfortable, extremely safe, and extremely positive that I can go back and tell people those areas, if you need to ride public transit, if you need to take Amtrak, those areas are safe. They're following. Everyone's you know playing, yeah. their, playing their parts. I'll get a little into it later when we got to Minnesota. A little different here, unfortunately. But, yeah. I mean, so it was the, the first... Week of the trip was really so far so good, and actually to the point where we were able to take a bus and go meet up with uh, some all aboard Washington friends uh, at, at a, at a yeah. beautiful volunteer park. Um, got to hang out. We all stayed. Park, uh, tons of distance. Everybody was sprawled out. Yeah, and our, our our good friend Charlie and all those guys at uh, all aboard Washington stealing our ideas for our face masks. And uh, good on you guys <laughs> uh, if you're listening. I hope you guys. Uh, uh, May, may raise a ton of funds for for yes. for proper uh, for uh, a lot going on in Seattle, East West Rail Studies in Oregon. Raise some money for for efficacy and, and sell those masks. But they're they're beautiful. But that was our idea. <laughs> I mean, I'll let them have it. So, <laughs> I mean, if y'all are um, listening in and you are in the Northwest, definitely take the time to check out All Aboard Washington. Um, we work with them extensively. They're a great regional group. Absolutely, people that are really invested in the long-term future of the region too you know they've had people um that have like re-returned to the area and recommitted to investing in their organ mm-hmm. that is not something that happens very often no. within advocacy you know they do a lot to prevent burnout and they've got great communication strategies so if you are in you know washington oregon northern california um any of uh, the cities that are along the Builder Route or the Starlight Route, it's definitely worth keeping an eye on what this. The Cascades going up to yeah, going up to up north. Yeah, but yeah, you definitely want to keep an eye on All Aboard Washington. They're doing some great stuff. Um, but I do want to tear into uh, this funny idea that Joe and I had, which was Starlight versus Builder. So. We only spent the one um, evening in our roommates on the Starlight. Uh, you know, I kind of walked through um, coach, but we didn't really get to spend a lot of time on board uh, that wasn't, you know, either unconscious or an overnight transit. Yeah. Um, and then the builder, we got to hop on and off at three different points. And so we had three different crews. And I do want to talk about how drastically different our experiences were as far as onboard services and the execution level that can be done by a one-man kitchen on the Starlight versus a three-man kitchen on the Builder. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, one of the things we did is we were, we were able to. So we we did roomettes on the starlights. So we were able, able to have uh, food, uh, breakfast, and, and lunch. Um, that the the first full day going up to Seattle. Uh, pretty liberally here. Food. Yeah. Lunch. No. It was, and I'm sure any any of you guys following along with some of the social media. Um, it's especially, I, I think we were making posts on Amtrak fans and other places, yeah. but it, it was, it was not pretty whatsoever. Um, so yeah, so we had, we had Starlight up and then leaving Seattle, we did roomette coach roomette, yeah. um, for the builder. Yeah. But so just comparing the, cause we actually ended up having the same, we ordered the same dishes. It's at one point that we ordered on the starlights that we had ordered on the builder. Yes. So, and you are by all means the expert um, in this kind of field with the, yeah. the onboard service, the food. So, I'm just going to quickly jump in and say, my God, and I, I, I hold no ill will to the, the, the people on board, the staff on the starlight, but one person cannot run a kitchen like that. No. And no. it was. And we, we didn't eat in the dining room. We ate in our rooms. We compared and contrasted our our, 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 our food. It was trash. It was yeah. straight trash. And I'll, I'll let you kind of riff on this because it actually fits into your blog. We'll talk a little bit later yeah. on. But um, yeah, by all means, take I it mean, away. I mean, like, literally eating trash on dumpster dive, you know? Um, so I think there's a couple of issues here, which is one... Cutting down those OBS positions, the LSA positions on the starlight to have a, the flexible menu um, on board, it, it's 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 really short short sighted. Um, how do I put this? Like, there's no way that one person is going to be able to do the executionable work of three people mm -hmm. on board. It's just not going to happen. Um, the food that we got had obviously thawed before it had gone in the convection oven because the sauce had broken, um, the things that were rice-based had like completely separated, and then we didn't get like our salad or rolls. We kind of got like uh, some tin foil yeeted into a bag. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't. I I get, but we got on late. You know, I get like later in the dinner service. I get how. Well, no, this this was the next day because we got on I in Emeryville at like ten thirty. This was actually this was lunch. This was actually lunch, so we were we were already yeah, on. It, and it was the last meal on board, is what it was. Because they closed down. This happens a lot with, um, and I, I won't just say Amtrak, but like any mode of transit that provides food, where like it's your last meal on board. Is it slim pickings? And this is the problem with not allowing people to like pick their menus ahead of time, properly informing people of what is and is not available on board. Yeah. You have to level set those expectations. And I think that um, the way that OBS has been changed to incorporate the flexible menu during COVID has made it that much harder for those employees. Yeah. And so I'm not going to say that I think that the reason my food on board was like total garbage is 100% related to the staff there because uh, we need quality control on the back end i mean we'll get into it later i wrote a really spicy blog that highlights all of this in a four-page manifesto and i swear it's not your everyday dining car rant there's some professional advice <laughs> and well the one th one thing that i found confusing because and i don't think that you and i are, are used to this although you've seen a, a lot more of the test kitchen in your trip last year this and that um when they brought us the the meals in our rooms as you said, we didn't get the, we didn't get the dessert, we didn't get the drink, we didn't get um, uh, the salad, whatever. 
they brought the t- it was the tin over the container, which is fine when they got they got to transport it, but it still had the plastic wrap with like the ingredients and the label on it, which was actually completely all greasy and yeah. like burnt up from the reheating. Well, which, I mean, it, I can... it just was it was just everything about it was just horrible presentation. Yeah. It just reminded me of the lean cuisine meal that you eat in college when like you have the last chance to get your paper in, you know you're not going anywhere, <laughs> and you passive aggressively stab that plastic before you throw it in the microwave. That's what it felt like. And Except was, that this wasn't passively aggressive stabbed. Well. <laughs> they, maybe they should have. So after that, you know, in our time in Seattle. This podcast brought to you by Knives. Right. <laughs> so when we got on the builder, so we had a different experience with food quality, obviously. Because there's more staff on board, and that is a different crew. Um, we had different crews the whole time across the builder, hopping back on and back off. And um, the Chicago-based crew, absolutely amazing. They were getting it done. Um, the people that we met that were Seattle-based, uh, very, very attentive, answering a lot of questions. And coach, making sure that you know people did have masks. And I will say... You know, not everyone in coach is going to wear their mask every minute of every day. I understand, like, I, I've had to travel before sleeping in a mask, and it sucks. Yeah. So I get, yeah. I get why people slack off. I get why people cheat on it. Um, and I don't think it's fair to sit in a sleeper car and then judge other people for, like, whether or not they can wear their mask the entire length of the trip. But if you're not eating, it should be on your face. This is a pandemic, and we all have to do our part to make sure that we keep each other safe. Yeah, and I'm, 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 I'm not going to... I don't know this person's name. I'm not going to say what crew, what staff, what location, whatever. But there, I did see an Amtrak employee uh, without a mask uh, at one point sitting in a, in a yeah. seat. Like, I, I, I don't know. Sir, and like, it's it could be circumstances. I don't know. But when you're trying to get, when you're making overhead announcements to try to get people um, to wear masks, to be safe, to keep others safe. You have to practice what you preach. Yeah. And yeah. all employees, all employees must, should be wearing, must be wearing a mask. If it's mandated, if you're going to make the, the, the customers, the guests wear it, yeah. you must be wearing it too. So I, that was a little disheartening to see along along the way. Yeah, and maybe um, and provide staff better spaces to like chill, mask off within like employee rooms mm-hmm. too, you know? Because I mean, like there's a reason that this dude had to flop down and coach, you know, it was during a staff change, I think, you know, things kind of got mixed up in the wiring there. Um, I will also say, too, one thing that I noticed along the Starlight and Builder routes north um, and eastbound was the number of, um, like, security guards who were not Amtrak police, nor were they local jurisdiction police. Um, you know, we ran into this in Portland, which I thought was interesting. And it's like, oh, yeah, you yeah. have private security staff at your station. Um, I mean, one, I'm not a fan of that. Just, you know, I'd prefer to have union jobs. I prefer to have, you know, people whose, whose rights as workers are advocated for. But if you're going to go the private route, they have to know what's up with Amtrak. They have to know sometimes things are late, sometimes things are early where the ADA compliant ramps are, how people can safely detrain, because that was a huge one. Them misdirecting multiple passengers with ambulatory issues, someone in a wheelchair, over tracks at grade. Um, you know, we saw this, this young lady fall. I was just going to mention this. I, I know tragic. that. And it's because we had private security giving bad advice to people 
in a non-ADA compliant crossing. It was even worse than that. I, I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit, you know, because we're going to get into the, the our, our builder experience. But it was our, our stop in Portland. Yeah. You and I were reprimanded uh, by the security guard there. Oh, and yeah. while he was reprimanded, in, in, instead of just talking to us and letting us go into the station and trying to figure out what we had to do, because he would not let us back on. So we didn't realize, apparently, we didn't know that what, if you go check out the station and take pictures... You actually have to wait until you can board again through the other gates. We so whatever. Just according to this one guy. Yes. We had Amtrak employees that were like assisting passengers and bringing back through like the same. Yeah, but so while want people to detrain across, which I get, but there was no traffic and we were the last train of the day. Yeah. Like I don't know if that's just miscommunication, but like these are things that we would love to see tightened up, especially if we're going to have continued uh, private-public partnerships within security. Well, it was the while the security guard was admonishing us for not following the rules that we weren't aware of that were actual rules. Um, he could have been assisting the woman pushing the young girl in the wheelchair right. that the wheel got caught at the track level and she fell out. Like we all rushed to go help oh, her, but it, the security guard could have been helping like them. Or he could have instructed them to clear uh, where the ADA crossing was instead of just having them cross at this weird place that didn't make any sense. Yeah, it was, it, 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 it was, was short-sighted. It was insulting. And you know, honey, if you're out there and you hear us talking about this, by all means, drop us a line. I would love to continue this conversation. Yeah, that, that was... The uh, 30th anniversary of ADA. That, yeah. together. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Period. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there, there, was, there, was, there was a really weird aside, but yeah, we had, we had kind of, you it's know, that, that, that weird issue with the security guard in, in Portland. Um, but yeah, so uh, back to the builder. I, and and real, speaking of asides, while we were uh, in coach going between uh, Whitefish and Essex, I had a very weird um, uh, happenstance talking to one of the Amtrak employees, a Chicago-based employee, been on, been on the job for 10 years. Um, his wife happens to currently own the pizza place Freddy's um, in my old neighborhood in Chicago that me and all my friends used to hang out at, get slices at, most of my friends from the neighborhood worked at. Um, so it was a very, very weird, like... We are in the middle of Monta like northern Montana, in between Whitefish and Essex. <laughs> yeah. We're both on a train. He happens to work for him. I happen to advocate uh, on behalf of the passengers. And here we are both, you know, Bridgeport kids, Armor Square kids from the old neighborhood, uh, just talking talking shop. So Because you notice I was wearing a White Sox hat. So that's, yeah. that's why we're... Disclaimer, we're not really that biased towards Chicago-based crew. Just a little bit. <laughs> no, it just happens we, we had a, so, a few of them. Well, let's talk about... Let's talk about... Um, Okay. It. Yeah, because I was. Well, I want to make one yeah. more note about the builder crew, the food comparisons, because actually, oh, we, yeah, go for well, it, go for it. we'll talk about it after Whitefish, because actually, okay. that's when we actually had our best, uh, our best uh, experience was actually from the Essex to um, Minneapolis uh, routes with with uh, with right. the, the onboard food we and all that stuff. That. So we'll circle back on the comparisons to the food service, but yeah, Whitefish. Okay, so I'm gonna say great destination for outdoor and socially distance activities. If locals and travelers follow protocol. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We had spoken to their um, visitors bureau and they had forwarded us their information on how they were putting up signage about masking. And there's obviously, uh, you know, it's weird that it's become this politicized thing. And I low key hate it because science is pretty much just facts. Um, <laughs> 
But they were really struggling to get their um, their tourists to mask up. And so they had just made it a mandate in Whitefish right before we got there. Yeah. So we tried to provide as much coverage of, you know, like, hey, like, kayaking, great activity where you're six feet away, you're outdoors, you're not yeah. touching anybody, you're not sharing space in clusters. Um, yeah, on, 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 on our day off on Saturday, the, the hotel we were staying at um, had a, 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 their own private dock, mm-hmm. um, had free kayaking, my first time ever kayaking, it was great. You did great. Uh, but it was a great <laughs> afternoon because there was a ton of people out there, a ton of people kayaking. But so, everyone yeah. is separated, right. everyone is not clustered together, Everyone's and everyone's friendly, they're waving, but actually you saw a couple families say, standing off to the side parents wearing the masks while the kids are swimming like it seems it was a little weird to see people still indoor dining um at some places definitely weird um but yeah. every every shop we went to everyone was uh wearing masks we we, we made a new friend at the the, the lovely uh snowboard uh, ski, uh summer sto- summer winter oh, seasonal store snowboards. yeah uh i had to buy flip-flops yeah. to go uh kayaking well, but we, let's throw that out too so stumptown snowboards highly recommend um great northern bar and grill they have a huge outdoor seating I, their tables are measured six feet apart. Oh, absolutely. They had sure. to be. I, sure. I had to be, yeah. As somebody with minor OCD looking out at that, I felt very adequately yeah. spaced. And then um, Craggy was the other one that we went to right yeah. there in downtown Whitefish. And so, you know, we see the locals um, in the same way that we did in Burlingame and San Mateo, getting creative, trying to create spaces that yeah. didn't exist before and maneuvering in ways that allow, you know, their people to still work, their visitors to still visit, but safe. Yeah. Clean, the the uh, there was a, uh, we were looking uh, one evening to try to find outdoor cafes to, to be able to eat uh, and you know distance ourselves and we we come across the, the local bowling alley in Whitefish is actually doing f- food delivery just because they wanted to you know keep the community keep keep everything open but getting off the train in Whitefish e- even immediately felt extremely safe and extremely confident because I mean yeah. Whether the presence freaks people out or not, but the National Guard uh, guys were in the station. If you got off and were going into the station, they were checking your temperature, asking you where you were coming from. So it, I, I felt pretty good because it was nice to actually have our temperature ch- taken multiple times throughout this trip yeah. uh, to make sure that you know we weren't you know catching something that we weren't noticing. So it was, it was kind of nice. Well, I will say just um, as somebody who grew up in the middle of nowhere, anytime you see the National Guard, there's always this moment when you're like, is this like that? <laughs> but no, they were they were great, and the way I'll put it like this: this is what I'm saying about like so the private security thing, whatever. We get off at Whitefish. This is the National Guard. They're like, hey, this is why we're here. This is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We need to take your temperature. Ask for consent. Made eye contact. Like had literature explaining what they were doing, as opposed to somebody just barking at a bunch of passengers like a stray yeah. dog on the tracks. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think just that, and again, like. There are things that we have to comply with for the safety of others, and I understand that like it can be it can be scary and new and difficult to cope with. But if it means that we can keep our friends safe, then it's something that we got to do. Yeah, and uh, whenever we were at at a restaurant or talking to people at different shops while we were walking around, you know, keep like you know keeping our distance. We were wearing our rail passengers' masks while we're while we were in town. Got to be on brand. Uh, We were. Ended up talking to a few people about why we were there. And if you've paid attention to the title of this episode, um, what they don't know will hurt them. Right. It was absolutely maddening that 
locals who live in Whitefish, live and work in these shops and restaurants, have no idea that the Amtrak right. three, the, the tri-weekly cuts will be coming October 1st, if, if, if executives have their way, uh, you know, during this whole thing. That bothered me out of, out of anything we came across. That bothered me the worst because these towns, and we'll talk about it, you know, in Essex and Thank God that the folks at Isaac Walton actually knew this was coming. They knew ahead of time. They're a little more keyed in. They're a little more keyed in, of course. They've been doing it for 80-plus years. But in, in Whitefish, while they might not rely on the train as much as Essex does, they still there was plenty of people getting on and off yeah. uh, in Whitefish. Um, they don't know that these cuts are coming. And well, yeah, I mean, we talked to... Um... You know, shop managers, cooks, bartenders, people that work in the industry there, hotel managers. Mm -hmm. um, our hotel folks didn't know. That, our hotel yeah. folks didn't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like even the Chamber of Commerce was informed very late into these decisions being made that do impact their bottom line. Because when we're looking at, like, volume of regional tourism in respect to volume of ridership, these things are obviously linked. They're obviously yeah. tangibly connected. And, you know, I mean, obviously, we all think that daily service should be yeah. mandatory. Flynn, Flynn wrote that letter, what, Memorial Day? Back, back end of May? Right. We are now, right now, as we stand, August 5th, we are less than two months away from these cuts happening. Right. And these smaller towns don't know. And Never mind the fact that the national network sustained ridership better than the corridor did, better mm -hmm. than yeah. the regional yeah. And even the limited lines did sustain service. At, I mean, it wasn't great, but like mm -hmm. more than in volume and in ridership. And those dollars add up different. You know, you're going a longer distance on smaller consists less frequently. So to me, I think it holds an inherent amount of value. Mind, you know, never mind the return on investment for these communities, which I mean, it's being sabotaged. When mm -hmm. we look at the studies that we did for the chief, looking at $150 million ROI, on that being daily when they were threatening to cut the chief, how could we not do comparable studies for the builder and express that like these communities don't have other ways in and out? Yeah. A lot of them don't. And, and, and our next up on our trip is literally a, a, a town that relies Essex. on everything. Essex, the Isaac Walton in, in Essex won Pro, I mean, probably the easily the most remote location I've ever been at in, in, my, in my life. I mean, we're, you know, it's, I, I, I could have thrown a rock at the Canadian border, um, but like just absolutely gorgeous. Everything they do. And, and if anyone's been there, you've seen pictures. Uh, if you haven't go online, check it out. Uh, we took pictures for, for social media, the rail passengers, Instagram. The place is absolutely gorgeous. It is rail themed. They have great Northern railway things everywhere. Um, their entire aesthetic is all based on, you know, whether you have the trackside room or up above on, on a separate area on the other side of the tracks from the, from the main lodge is they have old, um, cabooses, yeah, caboose, you cabooses you can rent out and, 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 and to, to stay in, um, just absolutely gorgeous. And, and like I said, you know, earlier, thankfully they knew that these cuts were coming, yeah. but they were so thankful that we were there to talk about it. But the Isaac Walton Inn will lose money, plain and simple. Oh yeah, plain, plain. Yeah. Thirty plus percent of, of their of their guests overall throughout the year rely take the train, take Amtrak, take the builder, yeah. because it shows up. It goes. It's eastbound. Is it eastbound in the morning? Westbound at nights? 
Yeah. yeah. So, so they, they actually have two, and it's like morning and dinners. We actually, I took a great video of the westbound builder while we were at dinner, and, and yeah. they honk the horn, and then the, the, the engineer waves all yeah, nine yards. It's a staple. It's a cultural staple. Yeah. And I mean, we're looking at. But they will lose money if these cuts right. go in. So it's, if they have three times weekly service, I mean, you're looking at 12.5 to 18% of their initial interest already gone. Yeah, and talking about, you know, when... You know, and people aren't necessarily going to book extra days to fill that gap between service, as we've seen in markets like Tucson. Yeah, and then we, when, when we got off the train, we got there on a Sunday. We got there, this was like one day off, this was just to go check it out, take pictures, kind of, you know, geek out a little bit on, 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 the, on the environment there. But we got there on a Sunday morning. There were two vanfuls of people that got off the train oh, with us. Yeah. Full. I mean, and like social distancing be damned. That was a lot of people. Oh no, the, the, it, well, we, we were... We, all we switched up by parties. We split by parties, but it didn't take well, multiple vans to get all of those like tenants for the weekend in. Also, yeah. thankfully, it was like, there's it's literally 30 it's seconds away. It was, it's, 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 yeah. it's, it, we, we were just there so we didn't have to drag our bags on, on a rocky gravel. Yeah. Um, but So we were a little cramped in the van, which is fine. Everyone's wearing masks. but All the windows are down. Yeah, yeah, but like we we weren't alone in showing up there. There was there was and, and actually the, the the front desk the driver that took us back and forth said actually it was one of the busiest days they've had in uh, yeah. the season during COVID. While there was a wedding happening that weekend there, while we were there, the wedding guests actually drove from I understand. So actually, it was yeah. just random people that came off the train. That was a thing that. Um... I think Montana, North Dakota, we're really focused on, which is because they don't have population density, avoiding clustering. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And even so, it's like, so they did a wedding. People were masked. Um, I loved all the ladies that had their mask underneath their fancy scarf. So they could have like a fancy wedding look. Yeah. But still like there, there were a couple that actually had matches with their dress. There, yeah. there were a couple that actually matched the the, the mask of their dress yeah. was actually, it was, it was cut. The bride had they're a really gonna... nice veiled uh, white mask. It was, it was cute. Well, and, then, and they were spread out too. You know, it's an outdoor wedding. They had tons of ventilation. The only structure that they were in has a giant fan inside of it. Yeah. And the whole time we were at the Isaac Walton, even though it's kind of, I mean, it's obviously old timey. Mm -hmm. It's an old building. But they had done, I would say, just as much as any um, fancy hotel would as far as like, Cleaning, distancing. Yeah, you, you know, they sanitized my keys before they handed them. To you, you, you couldn't, you couldn't eat inside uh, at the diner. You, yeah. you couldn't, you couldn't. Uh, if yeah, you wanted to, if spread. you wanted to order a drink at the downstairs, the, the amazing downstairs bar, you actually had to order at the front desk. They would go yeah. make it for you and bring it, it back up. Back. Um, so we actually spent a lot of time outside, sitting on on, on, on park swings and things like that, just oh, yeah. like Benches, being distant. Yeah, it was gorgeous property. You can walk around the pedestrian bridge. And again, you know, we went on a little hike and it's like, if you find these ways where you can engage outdoors, socially distanced while still, um, you know, providing for these historic establishments like the Isaac Walton, I think the more that we try to focus our energies there and learn how can we figure out in a COVID recovery market how we're going to take care of one another. And I'm yeah. glad that we're having these conversations now. Yeah, I'm... Um... I'm for one uh, hope, holding out hope that Amtrak reverses, uh, Congress acts, Amtrak reverses their stance. We continue daily service, and uh, maybe I'll get back to the Isaac Walton uh, this winter and check out. Oh my uh, God. I can't even imagine during ski season. It's gotta be gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. Because I haven't seen snow in three years. <laughs> Straight up. I would All love right. to see some snow.
There we go. We're, we're, we're going to do another uh, Montana uh, uh, FAC trip just to go yeah. see, so Maddie can go see snow. But um, yeah, so that that brings winter by rail. Winter by rail, yeah. So that that so that kind of ends the wrap up for for the trip. Uh, we are in Minneapolis right now. Uh, I will briefly say, as as I mentioned earlier, was not looking forward to. So I was looking forward to. Sorry, I take that back. Looking forward to being in Minneapolis, another big city. I'm a city guy. I wore my White Sox hat. You know, this is Twins country. You said, oh my God, buildings as we crossed into the same. Yeah, building. I I did lo- I did love uh, uh, Montana, but we we I, I got to see buildings. Yeah. A little disappointed um, it, as soon as we got here. Uh, hardly any signs on, on Metro Transit for um, uh, distancing and wearing masks. Yeah. Small, little, hard to see uh, like signs six, on like the doors. Um, yeah. Unlike Seattle and the Bay Area, no seats are quarantined off. A lot of people not wearing masks at, at all. Like so it was, it was disappointing to see a lot of people not wearing masks. Let's just be really honest about this for the safety of our listeners. Way more than I expected, and that's like as a Bart rider. Like yeah, I, yeah, you're you know yeah, yeah, I mean? you're right. We see people wandering and wandering off the Bart, you know, platform. They come in, they ride. They're not necessarily going anywhere. But people always offer them a mask. You know, people at the station. You know, if you need extra hand sanitizer, you need a mask. And I think it's also like. Uh, Minneapolis has had a, they've had a rough year, and I'm wondering what the funding is like for um, that kind of literature right now, because they have yeah. to triage so tightly with all of their cities spending, with their transit budgets, what they are and aren't prioritizing. And- but this is what I'm saying about it. it comes down to a personal responsibility to choose to just put the thing on your face and do what you got to do. Yeah, because you, know, you, you, you actually, uh, many brought up a good point when we first got here that, you know, because unfortunately, this city is the epicenter for everything else that what happened uh, in in 2020. Uh, right. n- not not virus related. Uh, you know, no, Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and and actually like it's it it was kind of like I, I don't want to say heartwarming. I, I don't, don't want to say depressing either. But to kind of go through and see all the uh, the murals and it, it, emotionally it, it, even right. even some of the burned down stores you see because everything that yeah. happens, but. In place have have been like wooden panels uh, hiding some of the destruction, and but like with beautiful murals of of, of BLM and, and George Floyd and all, all the other names that people have we lost. Um, it, it actually so like on a, on a completely different notes, just on on a, on, a, on a personal notes. Um, yeah, people should be wearing signs. People should be taking you know, self care. But um, I understand that things have been tough uh, in the city. Um, so I, I don't, I don't want to say like, you know, uh, give, give them, cut them some slack because maybe the funding isn't there for, uh, things like mask signs, yeah. but you would think that people might know a little bit better with what's going on here. That, right. So that, that's this, kind this of like, down to personal responsibility yeah, yeah. you know, if we cut an agency slack, that's one thing, but do we need to be cutting each other slack at a time like this? No, we need to be holding each other accountable, building yeah. each other up. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. know, and I, I think it's also comparable to what we were saying when we were in Oakland. Like, this is a town that's hurting, and I want to see Minneapolis become a town that's healing. Yeah, absolutely. And and then, well, it's, it's on, a, on a weird kind of, you know, connected all together angle. Like, let's hope that, you know, transit and, and people kind of in and out of the city, uh, essentially or not, um, is, is, is a way to, you know, help people heal. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, providing transit, providing people with a safe means to get where they need to go at affordable rates is 
the, I mean, the backbone of making sure that our working class is taken care of in so many ways. Yeah. In the same aspects that healthcare is, you know, in the same aspects that housing is. This is something that it, it should be treated like a right, and we should be, you know, enabling um, better platforms, better support for riders, you know, and if we need to work on, you know, taking a master's from Minneapolis, maybe that's what we need to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. so that that said, we are, we, we, we are we are in Minneapolis. This is what you know. Yeah. So we'll, we'll be here, and we'll, we'll, uh, we have a couple things going on. So some people, that's friends to see uh, while we're here, talk to what's going on in the city. So we'll probably you know we'll wrap this up in another uh, another podcast yeah. in a week or two. Uh, we're gonna try to do more of these content, more of the while this this is not the tight 30 we, we mentioned we've gone a little bit over uh we're gonna try to do we're gonna try to do like a 20 30 minutes you know maybe every yeah. week every other week just to kind of you know keep you guys informed what's going on because we, we do there's a lot going on uh towards the end of the year but i want to give you your own little space here um and i'll, I'll and while you talk about your blog I'll, I'll bring up our experience on on, on the um the crew between uh, Essex oh, yeah. and, and, and uh, Minneapolis, but uh, go ahead and yeah. kind of briefly talk about um, your, your, your big publication that came out today. Yeah, so um, as many of you have known, I've been kind of working on this piece that's a you know, spicy little manifesto of how I feel about the existing onboard services, what we can change through um, Invest in America and specifically section 9210 and 9211 of that initiative. We talked about this in our recent webinar. So um, if you all hop on realpassengers.org, the article is titled A Chef's View. If you need a quick link, it's bit.ly slash a chef's view. Um, we have it linked on the Real Results Facebook page as well. But I, I tried my best to be weighted and um, fair to everybody involved in the process because I think with many uh, elements of bureaucracy to this degree, sometimes things get lost in translation, and I don't want to undersell anyone's original intentions or uh, you know the work that they've provided on board. But we need to make sure that when we're having these conversations with management, that we don't let management uh, ruin things. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're right. <laughs> to you're be right. honest, because it's oh, yeah. really easy to distance yourself from the personal, from the experiential, um, you know, and start looking at the quantitative. And sometimes you have to step away from that and remember to create whimsy, to embrace your customers, your passengers, the people that rely on you, mm. to protect them and provide for them and, you know, keep them in safekeeping, healthy and happy. Right. Uh, and, and actually, you know, regardless of your views on, on the current, you know, this is what we have, the flexible menu, this is what we have, this is what we're dealing with. And I, I know that people will get dive deep, deep dive into your blog and see the things that you you focus on how to change things but what we have right now right here this is what we have um but the quick comparison between what we saw we talked about earlier the the, the garbage that yes. we saw with the one person staff on the starlights and yeah. then we had the more traditional three person setup on the builder it was and we ordered the same dishes we actually had multiple because we you know we, we had a 24 hour since we had multiple uh, um uh, meals on, uh, on the builder, our, our last leg of the trip getting to Minneapolis, it was night and day going from yeah, like the one, definitely. and this is actually when we found out that there was only one person on the Starlight dealing with all this stuff. I mean, we finally, 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 finally got to see the trays, the reusable trays um, that, that the whole, I they were myth. 
that that hold that you saw them in the test kitchen. This was a year ago. Um, we finally got to see they they hold the silverware. They and we actually the it's no it's no longer just the uh, the brownie or the blondie for dessert. There was oh, there's a an, large bar. A, there was an apple pie bar. There was a, a there was a, a, a vanilla pudding. I mean, I know it's plain and boring, but vanilla pudding is you know it's refreshing after after kind of a right. dense salty no meal. Sugar added, <laughs> Ninety calorie dessert too. You know, so it's like but it was so, it was something. It was something. Yeah, but it was it was so great to see, and actually it was kind of funny. Like while we were getting ready to publish your blog, is this is the examples that we saw, like what can be done in the limitations yeah. um, that are that we currently have. Well, I think that's a great place to leave everyone off as we wrap up this tight uh, forty-five. <laughs> uh, there, there's there's so many pe- there are so many people that we that close friends of ours that are listening to this. When you say tight thirty, going nope. No worries, no worries. <laughs> well, thanks to the emotional labor of uh, being our audience, we love you all dearly. As always, if you have any questions, send them to us at Real Results, uh, directly for the show at Real Passengers. Your questions are large. Um, it's been great getting back in touch with y'all. I hope episode two was fire. We'll be back for episode three in, uh, I don't know, like a week and a half. Maybe. Yeah, like I said, we're going we're gonna to try to turn these out, uh, uh, you know. More frequently. Yeah. More succinctly. But yeah. we'll work on that second part. We love you guys. Yeah, and remember, uh, rareresults at gmail.com. Uh, send any emails uh, you want us answered on future episodes. Any ideas for future episodes. Any fe- ideas for future guests. And then, you know, at Rare Results on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the whole nine yards. Um, for that, uh, I am Joe. Still Maddie. <laughs> and we'll tell you guys soon. Take Bye. care.